Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 38. Hey guys, well, the leaves are starting to change color. It's uh, just absolutely awesome to be in the midst of deer season. It has started here in Ohio, although it's 90 degrees today, been like super high temps, so it doesn't really feel like deer season, but I did get out for my first deer hunt yesterday morning. And um, I am not typically a morning deer hunter. Like I like to go more in evenings. I used to hunt mornings all the time, but I would bump a lot of deer. My thermals would usually kind of pool at the bottom of my stand. And I just just never had a whole lot of luck, except for like, you know, the rut, of course. But uh, so I've, I've kind of the last couple years tried to do more evening hunts. But whenever you got a lot of stuff going on on the opening weekend and it's 90 degrees. Um, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers if you're trying to get into the woods. So yesterday I, I got in, I got a brand new property. Uh, it's a neighbor of mine down the road. He let me uh, hunt this, the top of this hill, has some nice big fields in it and stuff. It's only 35 acres, but it borders a big property that's owned by a factory that only lets its factory workers hunt. So I was pretty pumped to get this and it's a spot that will, you know, I can kind of keep my other spots that I know are good for the rut. Um, maybe I could hunt this, this spot a little bit more and save those. So got in dark. Um, a couple things I'm learning is I really need to prep trees a little bit more for saddle hunting. Um, I, I love saddle hunting. I think it's great. I still struggle trying to get over like a tree that has a bunch of limbs in it. Um, just the way uh, there's a safe way to do it. Um, but it's not always a quick way. And I was a little, you know, kind of rushed. I should have got in there about an hour earlier. And, um, so I picked a tree, got up and, um, I'm using climbing spurs is the way that I go up the tree. So I have these spurs that I put on, I keep them in my backpack and um, go up the tree. Of course, got a lineman's belt, so it's all safe. And I wasn't up super high. I uh, got everything set up. It was actually relatively smooth for my first hunt. Usually my first hunt, I'm like just absolutely frustrated. But I uh, got up in and uh, it was kind of warm, 60s, maybe getting up, yeah, probably mid-60s. And I uh, got bit by a couple mosquitoes, so I got a brand new thermosel. And uh, it's, you know, just kind of cracking daylight. And I thought, I'm going to fire that thing up and let's see how this thing works. And I'm messing with it. And all of a sudden, over to my right-hand shoulder, uh, I just see movement. I look, and there's a buck standing there. And he's a he's a decent eight-point buck. I believe he was eight. I didn't get a great look at him. Um, but he was kind of looking my way. And, I mean, he had a tall rack. Probably not a shooter in my book, uh, at least not for <laughs> the first sit of the season anyhow. But, uh, you know, he was a good deer, and he's going to be a great deer one day. And uh, he's standing right where I had planned on, you know, uh, where the, I planned on them coming in. He caught my wind and took off. Uh, luckily, didn't blow. But a half hour later, another deer that I couldn't see blew. And, um, you know, just uh, I, I was wasn't in a great spot. I kind of rushed where I was going and I, I meant to be in a different location and, you know, just, but to be honest, it was still awesome. Uh, first day to be in this, in the stand in the morning, got to watch the sunrise. I uh, had a turtle walk by, which I don't think I've ever seen a turtle walk by my stand before. Um, had a coyote come in, uh, couldn't quite get the shot on the coyote, but just a beautiful morning. Um, and, uh, just excited though for this coming Thursday, Friday, cause it's been in the nineties Thursday. It's going to drop down into like the seventies. And I think Friday morning, it's supposed to be like in the forties, like, 
it's it's the cold front hunters dream about so <laughs> very excited to go out and get in the woods and um uh, experience that. I hope that you're enjoying it. If you're a whitetail hunter, um, you know it's 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 exciting. It's a long season, at least here in Ohio. Our season runs uh, from the last Saturday in September all the way up until like the first weekend in February. So, you know, you kind of got to pace yourself, take your time, pick your hunts, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. So, very excited over all that stuff and uh, just figuring out the saddle hunting again and, and all that. So. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview today. Uh, today is a great guest. I was very excited to uh, get him on the show. I saw just a picture of his on Instagram, and uh, he had this big buck that he's already got down this year. And so he is a Kentucky hunter, and that's all I I knew about him was that he shot a uh, Kentucky buck already and uh, thought I would have him on and, and hear that story. Come to find out, uh, Mike Savage actually owns and runs uh, and operates a uh, outfitting business uh, called Mill Creek and he will tell you all about that and so we kind of got into some topics in this interview about you know I, I'd never talked to an outfitter before I've never gone and hunted at an outfitting uh, you know operation and so I kind of got to hear his side of the story and we talk a little bit about you know the the kind of the perception of uh, outfitters and groups and hunting places like that paying to hunt and we talk about shooting big bucks shooting little bucks letting them grow and those kind of topics and it's really I think think it's a really interesting, um, uh, several interesting things that we talk about. So anyway, uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into that. I, just real quick, I will say thank you so much um, for uh, listening to this podcast. I do feel like we're getting more and more of an audience, and that's that's thank that's that's due to you uh, sharing it. Um, you know, for I don't spend money trying to promote this or to boost it. I I mean the <laughs> it costs enough as it is right now just uh, to put it out there for you. So don't have any sponsors or anything like that. So you are the promoter of the show. Uh, if you want to put that on your, your resume that you're a uh, Shedding Light Outdoors hunting podcast promoter, go ahead. Um, but uh, by you sharing it, by you leaving a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you can do that, by you uh, leaving comments and following Shedding Light Outdoors, that, that helps. That helps. Uh, every little bit of that helps. So I just want to say thank you so much uh, for sharing this. And if you want to share this episode or any previous All ones, right, guys. I, I, just, I appreciate that. So Mike, now, it, without further good, ado, we'll jump into our uh, uh, interview with Mike up, Savage. Uh, I, I said I wasn't going to do it this year, uh, but uh, the price was right. I just picked up 150 pounds of corn, so I, I got to get some trail cam pictures and see what's on my properties. I haven't haven't even looked yet, you know. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you're you're behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah, you need to get out there. Yeah. Well, I used to do that a good bit, and then this year I got in. I went elk hunting, and I uh, just haven't had a whole lot of time to really focus on it. So just getting back. But how about you, man? What's going on here? Oh, just uh, staying busy, trying to. Uh, we're praying, rain dancing. We're doing everything we can. We need some rain so bad. Um, of course, we got all our food plots put in back in August, and you know, by this time of year, they're already lush and pretty. But now they're just. We ain't had no rain in over a, a month, so everything's so dry. But just yeah. staying busy, trying to stay on top of everything. That's about it. Okay. Now, where, whereabouts are you guys? Uh, we're about 45 minutes south of Louisville. Uh, it's okay. called, it's a, it used to be a small town. It's called Elizabethtown, Kentucky. But in the past, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, it's kind of, it's blown up. We've had a lot of factories come in. So it's good, though. You know, economically, I'm, you know, it's for people and good jobs. And so it's, it's neat to watch it, you know, build. But in the meantime, you remember back when it was a little small town also. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. And what what do you do there? Uh, I work for a local school system here. I do all the maintenance. I do take take uh, take care of all the out, all the grounds. So I mow all the schools. I take care of like dirt work, taking care of the fields, athletic fields, fertilizing, spraying, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's a pretty good job. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Yeah, good, man. Well, I uh, the way I found you was I was looking around on Instagram, and I'm I'm a little envious of these guys from Kentucky like yourself to get a hunt like a full month before I get to. And uh, <laughs> so I just yeah. went in. And I just looked at a hashtag that said Kentucky Buck, and that hashtag brought up some pictures. And one of them was a picture of you. And uh, I won't, won't spoil anything, but it looks like you've had a little bit of uh, success this year already. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was I was blessed, man. And uh, anytime I get to, you know kill a really good deer not just a good deer but a mature deer and um i don't take it for granted because they're not easy um but uh, you know we can get to the story now we get to later but yeah it was uh i own the kind of a background i own a uh an outfitting i own a little, little it's called mill creek outfitters and uh we're a local list of small kind of an outfitter i take 20 people a year and uh we got about four thousand acres that i kind of manage year round and uh, we try to do things different you know that's why i'm, I'm so small but we only try to kill anything that's over five to six years old uh okay. give that chance a deer to mature and to grow so the deer i got to shoot um it was it was kind of funny because i had some hunters in the opening weekend so our season comes in always the first saturday in september that's why our state's such a big velvet everybody wants to come kill a velvet deer um right. so i had some hunters in from arkansas and i was gonna let one of them shoot this deer and but he went nocturnal like a week before the season came in and I, you know, it figures a lot of those big deer like that, they'll do that. But, um, so the guys went out and they both shot a really, they both shot, uh, two velvet bucks, really nice deer. And, um, we were sitting on the couch and I was talking to the Arkansas guys and they, uh, my phone being because my cell camera and I looked down and there he was like at 7.05. He showed up. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like, I'm showing a picture of him. And I'm like, oh my God, you got to go shoot this deer. And I'm like, yeah, I think I will. So usually, you know, kind of a, a little uh, secret for you. If you got, especially early season, if you have like a big deer that shows up, um, like, a, you know, in daylight one night, especially when you got a full moon, he mm-hmm. will 99 point, I guarantee, will be there the next night. Yeah. So that's like, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to hunt this deer. So I, cause I don't know if you want to get the story. Of it. That was kind of the story, but, it, you know, and it worked out that I um, – I got to harvest him, and like I said, I've watched him for, yeah. he was five years old, so I got to, you know, he's a, I've watched him ever since he's about two to grow into what he got to grow into, so. Well, let's, let's back up just a little bit. I want to get a little bit of yeah. background. I don't think on my podcast, it's relatively, you know, we're 30, I think 37 episodes in, um, I don't think I've talked to anybody that kind of runs outfitting, so set us up a little bit, how did you get into kind of doing the outfitting and, and starting this whole process? What was that like for you? Well, I'm always I've always loved the outdoors. Uh, the outdoors for me growing up kept me out of trouble, uh, and I learned a lot on my own because uh, you know I was in a divorced family, and my mom happened to marry my stepdad, which um, he's been nothing but awesome. He's been like a father figure to me, so everything was great. But he just never liked to hunt. He would you know he would come home from work and he would farm and he'd time to go to eat and go to bed. So yeah. growing up, I kind of did everything. I you know I went hunting and read books and learned kind of everything on my own. And, uh, of course, you know, I was blessed. I was raised up on a farm that we had able to hunt, every, you know, when I wanted to. So um, so I started, so the love of the outdoors has always been a passion of mine, a huge passion of mine. 
and it was a kind of a scapegoat growing up that, you know, that kept, I felt like that kept me out of trouble. Instead of going out and running around, I wanted to go hunting. And uh, yeah. so it was a kind of a scapegoat. So I've always loved it. Um, then I got to a point, I don't know, about five years ago, I went and decided to go work for a local, another outfitter here in Kentucky. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was probably one of the most best times of my life. Uh, I got to meet so many people uh, from all over, you know, famous to non-famous. It just, it was neat being able to go set up farms and taking people and watching these people be able to get close to these deer and harvest them. Uh, yeah. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle game. I mean, I don't know if, you know, harvesting mature deer is not easy. So it was not something I love. And yeah, it's, it's tough. So, but the thing that I didn't really, I got to working with them, and, man, it was like they were bringing it was like a constant rotation of people. Like it would bring in 50, one, you know, the next these people leave and be a 50 more. And it was just, and we were hunting the same stands over and over. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be a part of it. Um, I just didn't believe in it. And if I don't believe in something, I can't do it. Uh, just because I didn't, you know, I feel like those people paid that maximum of dollars. They should have an equal opportunity to be able to experience what nobody else got to experience. And those, you know, not knowing the guy just left that deer stand two days ago, and I'm putting somebody else right back in it. Um, so I left there, um, and I was kind of like, man, I love the job because I didn't meet so many people. But my brother, um, we farm uh, quite a bit of land, and he's like, man, he said, why don't you start your own thing? I was like, I mean, I can't. I don't have no, you know, I don't have really no way of doing that. And he's like, I'll help you. And, you know, so for my family, my brother, you know, they supported it, and he's been, he kind of helped me get off on it, and three years ago, I think it's three, yeah, three years ago this year, uh, we started Mill Creek Outfitters, um, so it's like I said, all I do that, and I wanted to do things different, so I added some things, and you know, we like I said, that's all we do is bow hunt, there's no gun hunts, either you bow hunt or you crossbow hunt, and I know that limits my uh, people that I hunt with, you know, they're able to come in, but it's so much easier to manage that. And like yeah. I said, I think it, it's just uh, you're not out shooting at deer and people's walking in. Like I said, we take 20 people a year. I don't, you know, so uh, like I said, there's about 4,000 acres that we have. Like last year, we didn't even hunt 2,000 of our acres. I left mm-hmm. them deer completely alone. So uh, it kind of makes it more exclusive in a little bit. And like I said, the people that's come had a blast. Uh, you know, I've had a pretty good success rate. Uh, I've, been, I've been blessed with that also. Um, so it's fun, man. I tell you, it's... Um, experiencing it and getting to, to meet people, you know, fellowshipping with people and getting to show my passion and getting to see other people's passion and learning from it. So that's what it's about. Absolutely. And that sounds great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think um, you, people get in their heads things about outfitters and things like that, and I think people don't realize that there's average Joe outfitters out there that are just doing it because they have the ability to and they're not doing, like, high-fence crazy things, you know, like, I think people sometimes stereotype outfitters, unfortunately, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, love it or is a bit stereotyping, but you know what I mean. It's just I think that um, unfortunately today people just don't know how to play nice. So <laughs> no, and you, I you know have you, experience, have you experienced any of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you got other people bad mouthing what you're doing, and you know, you 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 got lucky, blah blah blah. But like I tell my people, I come in with. Um, I, I'd want to be, and that's why I try to do what we do is if I pictured if I went to another outfit, this is what I want it to be like. Yeah. This is what I yeah. want, you know. So that's how I run it. Now, 
do I make as much money as everybody else does? No, but I'm not looking at that part of it. If, right. you know, if, um, I want to be able to share what, because, I mean, t- I'm blessed to be able to hunt in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, now, I haven't got to experience the other, you know, states out there. Uh, like, but I've been to other states. I haven't got, you know, I haven't been to the big, Mon- I love to go to Montana, but from what I've experienced and what I've seen and what people come in here are like, man, you don't have, have no idea what this looks like and what this, you know, you know, and they come in and they see 30 some deer in the evening on the set. You know, he's seen, I had one guy this past, you know, this open weekend had eight different bucks come in. He's like, man, we don't, I can hunt for a week and not see eight deer, you know, eight bucks. So, you know, I, I, every time I hear that, I feel like how blessed we are to be able to have a great place to build, you know, where we can hunt. And it's beautiful. The scenery's pretty. And it's, you know, the deer are very, you know, um, I think we're, you know, one of the, um, you know, Boone and Crockett states in the, in the United States. Um, so it's, it's, it's just, it's chair, you know, I take it, I don't take it for granted. Uh, you know, and like I said, we're not in it to, um, of course, you're in to make money, but we're not in it. That's not our ultimate goal. Ultimate goal is to build friendships, you know, make friends and have people come back and get to enjoy in every day that I get to experience every year. Absolutely. Well, Mike, um, so being a, being a guy running there, how much has that limited your hunting time? Are you still able to get out a good bit? Or oh, yeah. How, how, do you, how do you balance uh, taking guys out and making sure you still get into the woods too? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I said, like, you know, taking 20 people a year, it kind of helps. Uh so, you know, we have a bit, we have quite a few people coming, you know, I, I might say quite a few, but you might have a handful in September, some in kind of October, then you have some in November, then of course you have some people want to go late season when it's cold. So, uh, it kind of spreads out so nice that, you know, it's not like you having people every weekend. Because uh, that's one thing I always wanted to do is I still want to have time for myself and my friends and my family to be able to go out with them. Um so, and all the people that we've have, a lot of my clients are returning clients. So, you know, I've gotten to build relationships with those guys. And sometimes I go out and I'll film them or I'll go out and we'll hunt together. or just I just like going. I don't have to go shoot something to have a good time. So um, I like going and just watching. I've learned so much just going and watching deer and see what they do and how they act and what's going on. And, you know, that's just knowledge that I'm building. That's why I like going, just to watch to see. Because, you know, especially here before long, weekly deer start changing habits. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I just like kind of staying on top of things and getting out watching and being on my properties, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I still go quite a bit. I go about as often as I can uh, just because that's what I love to be in. It's, it's nice to be out there. Awesome. So you have you have these guys in from Arkansas. You're sitting there on the couch, and yeah. this this big buck shows shows up. And have you had a history with this buck? You know, pictures of the past, or, or is this a new guy? No, no. He's a uh, he was. I've watched him ever since he was two and a half. He was. Uh, he started showing up on the farm, and he started out being an eight pointer, um, just a standard, um, like a you know standard eight. He was a pretty eight. I mean, he was uh, two and a half, and so. At three, he he still he was still an eight, and um, he just got you know got a lot more mass and a lot bigger. Uh, as a four, he became a nine, and um, he started throwing a little bit of uh, some kickers. Um, then, of course, this year in Velvet, we watched him, and then he started throwing a lot more kickers. And uh, I was like, man, and my buddy, you know, the guy that helps me with my outfitting, and then one of my best friends. He's like, dude, 
that is a big deer. And I was like, yeah. And, I, you know, you're looking at pictures, velvet, nighttime, they look just monstrous anyway. And oh, yeah. uh, so I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good deer. And I've been, like I said, I've been blessed where I've killed quite a few, you know, very nice deer. So I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good deer. And he's like, dude, you need to kill that deer. He said, you've had, you know, you've watched this deer for so many years. He said, you need to. I was like, well, you know, if one of these guys come in, they get a shot at him. I want them to shoot him, you know. But like I said, he went nocturnal. Um, then, about, like I said, about a week, he's been out for about a week, almost two weeks. And like that Sunday, we're sitting on the couch, man, and he pops in and, there he is. He's already shed his velvet. That's when that's probably why he went nocturnal. But uh, and he's standing there in the and you know at the and I'm like, oh my lord. And Aaron's like, we're gonna go shoot that deer. And um, so Monday morning, Monday afternoon, we get up and of course it's been like a hundred degrees here. Um, so we get out there and uh, we hunt him. And when he's coming in, it's, it's so it's pretty. It's, it's funny. I mean, but Aaron guy, he's so he's coming in straight at us. And I'm looking at this deer and I'm like, Aaron. This deer ain't very big. Well, he's about to fall out of the deer stand. He's like, "Man, you're an idiot." He said, "That deer is a monster." Now, like, are you are you hunting? Are you hunting like a morning set or an evening set? No, like, we're in the evening. Yeah, we're in the evening. We went. We got there's a, this is we got in there about six because it's you know it was like ninety five degrees this Monday when we're going and set you know going up there. So we get there about six and about seven fifteen seven twenty. I seen. And, of course, you know, he's in the edge of the woods, comes out of a cornfield and coming right at us. And uh, and I'm sitting in this, and I'm just sitting there chilling, you know, like, okay, I'm looking at the deer. And Aaron, the, the, the tree's shaking. I'm like, what? what is it? He's like, dude, that's a monster. I'm like, Aaron, I don't think it's that big. I mean, he don't look like it. So he's giving me grief this whole time. I'm watching it, but he's walking right at us. And then, you know, of course, we're 20-some foot up in the tree, and I'm looking down at him. And... uh but he comes in and he turns broadside. When he made that broadside turn, I know I said, "Oh my gosh!" Because uh, that's that's when I knew how big. I mean, because the G two, it was it was fourteen inches. Um, I was like, "Yeah, that's him. He's huge." And I kept, you know, the whole it was funny because I got I don't know twenty, thirty pictures of this deer. You know, ever since he's been growing this year, and I knew I remembered the pictures how big he was. The picture, but. It just wasn't coming realistic to me when I'm looking at this deer, I guess, from 20, you know, up from looking down at it. Yeah. And uh, so he turns broadside and he comes around about 18 yards in front of me. And, of course, I smoked him and uh, and he went about he went about 10 yards. And I got down. And once I got to him and I got my hands on I knew that was something special. He only went uh, 10 yards. Yeah, he fell over dead 10 yards. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, he didn't. I shoot those big rage extremes, so it puts a cavity hole in them. But yeah, he went back. We watched him fall over. So, yeah, it was that, so I mean, there's got to be something rewarding too. I mean, for anybody that's you know trying to manage deer, make sure that they're shooting mature deer. You know, to do it on your own property like that and have a buddy there, that's got to be a pretty special thing. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's times like that that you kind of like I said you you always go back and reflect is. It brings back what you're doing is for a purpose. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel like you know, what I mean, um, you know, I've let deer walk by and Aaron's like, man, you're crazy. I'm like, Aaron, that deer's, you know, or I let you know people come by and customers are like, man, I've never seen a deer like that. I say, I can't believe with that deer walk. I'm like, you know, to me, watching a deer get to that five and give him a chance to mature to what he can mature into um, is incredible. And watching that, you know, and you just see it. You know, when I was young, man, if it came in by God, I was whacking and stacking. 
That was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't put two dollars together. And then the more I, you know, more I hunted, the more I'm like, man, I want deer, you know, I want these deer to get big. And you know, I had a guy say to me one time, he said, "How's the deer going to get big and you're shooting everyone?" I'm like, you know, that's a good point. That's a good question. <laughs> so, you know, about uh, I don't know, about ten years ago, I got really serious about it, and uh, and I started, you know, managing our, you know, farms. I was, you know, I was middling our deer, and I was making sure in the winter months we had, you know, some uh, supplement feed for, you know, feeders and just uh, trying to get, you know, give every benefit I could to these deer to give them a chance to, you know, grow and mature and give, you know, the highest option they can get to. And, you know, and then I'm kind of, now I'm kind of reaping, I'm getting the, I'm getting all the, the pluses that I can see the difference that I made. So it's yeah. neat to go back and look and see all these deer, like how, you know, how, how healthy they are, how pretty they are. Um, so it's pretty neat. Yeah, and I think, you know, for some reason that, that very subject, I think, stirs up a lot of passion, especially on the online community. There's there's guys, that, you know, that, well, you can't horns, and so if it's brown, it's down in their book, and that's kind of their, their tactics. And then you have the other folks that, you know, are passing, like, on 180-class deer, and they want to shoot, you know, an absolute, you know, trophy. It's, it's, it's yeah. about trophies. And, and I think I think across the hunting community, just learning to just say, hey, you know, we all get to enjoy – being out in the woods, and we each have different goals. And I think, to me, I've just kind of landed on, you do whatever you want to do as long as it's legal and ethical yeah. and go for it. If you want to shoot a small buck, you know, a four-corn, and that makes you happy and you just want the meat and the tenderloin, <laughs> and then go for it. But don't yeah. slam the guy. Don't slam the guy that wants to spend some extra time. He has the resources. He's got the money to spend on it. You know, we're all spending money on different things. So if somebody wants to spend the extra money that it takes to – Put in the food plots and do those kind of things, and I say go for it. I think I think we get a little too wound up over our, our, the way that we did it growing up, and we don't we don't let other people just enjoy what they enjoy doing. That's kind of my take. Uh, on it. I, I'm a I'm I'm a hundred and ten percent very I, I, the same thing you are. Uh, the fun of deer hunting has got out of hand, in my opinion, yeah. uh, and it's because TV. Uh, the thing about when I grew up, I remember watching Dan Fitzgerald wearing his red placard. Black, you know, his, <laughs> yeah. his, his sweatshirt had his, you know, and he got there just whacking, stacking deer, and having a great time. And you know, the thing about it is, got it's gotten so economically incorrect, in my opinion. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but to me, if you want to go out and you want to shoot, go out and enjoy it. But also understand, don't get up frustrated when you're not killing any. You know, you're not getting a big deer or you're not seeing any big deer on your property. But if you want to go out and, you know, if if you want to go out and hunt and you want to harvest what, I'm all for it. But go out and enjoy it and respect it and do what you want, you know, how you want to do it and do it the right way. I'm all, I don't, hey, I don't throw stones at nobody. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, man, and I got kids, go out there and have fun, laugh, share memories, make memories, and be thankful that we're able to you know, go out and in a free country and do what you want to do and have the option to go out and have a harvest an animal like this. And Absolutely. but it's gotten so economically negative where, you know, all you see is all you hear is boom this and you do this and this. You know what? You know, back in the day, yeah, I think that helps. I don't get me wrong, I think all these food plots and everything helps your deer. The more healthy you are, the bigger they're gonna get. But it's still, you know, our ancestors shot bucks. You know, there's this, you know, people in the back in the day shot big deer. I mean, if you look in the records, I mean, back in 1950s and 60s, there's world-class deer been, you know, scored. Uh, 
but I think overall the deer herd population, the healthiness, I think it's gotten better just because yeah. people are yeah. paying more little attention to what they're doing. But, yeah, I, I think it's gotten such out of hand about, you know, people throwing, oh, you did, you killed a small deer. You know what? Who cares? If you're uh, having, if you walk into deer and that deer makes your heart pump, by God, that's what it's about. Yeah. I think about I think about the Bible verse that says a house divided against itself can't stand, and I think Abraham Lincoln quoted that as well. And I just think you know there's so much truth to that is that we don't realize that while we're on Facebook spouting off about what we think about this or that, there's outside one there's new hunters that are trying to get into it and they're discouraged by that because they're afraid to post. They're all excited because they shot a four corn and they're oh, afraid yeah. to post. They're afraid to post it because they're going to get they're going to get ripped. And then on the flip side, there's a guy that shoots a 170, and he posts his picture, and he gets accused of hunting high fences, and he's doing oh, yeah. this, and he's got millions of dollars. And so and yeah, what we're I, doing is we're, we're actually hurting ourselves because the more we do that, the more we're separated. The more, there's there's a group of people that don't want us to hunt at all, and if we can't figure out how to get along and play in the sandbox, one day we might lose a lot of the stuff that we've got. So you're you gotta kinda, yeah, you got to learn a little agree, bit about totally. that. So. No, yeah, you know, the, you got to stand behind each other, man. Like I tell people all the time, you know, I get people say, "Why, you know, that guy?" Shot. I'm like, you know what? Who cares? I mean, I, you know, we should be happy for them people. We yeah. should be happy just because, like you said, that guy killed a pronghorn or a forkhorn, and I killed a hunter. So, uh, hey, you know what? I'm stickled as for that kid as I, or that guy as I am. I shot mine. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, we got to get back to. I don't think it's over that. It's the whole community. It's like the whole world is uh, the negative and the anger side of it. You know, uh, my, you know, Facebook is the worst things ever developed um, because and that's how everybody lives their, lives their lives now through a mirror, through the window yeah. of the phone. Yeah. Instead of putting the phone down and talking to people one-on-one and looking at people talking to them. Um, and I think that's where this, you know, that's where it's gotten worse. Um, because back in the day, you didn't hear about everybody shooting all these deer because there wasn't all the social media. You heard about your neighbors because they heard the shot, and you went over and checked on it, see what they got, and you high-fived them, but now yeah. you're seeing everybody across the country, you know? So, um, yeah, it's 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 sad, man, the way that's, you know, how people, some people act towards it and do things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, we've got a little bit of time here, uh, kind of wrapping things up a little bit, but uh, that was, what, did you end up scoring that buck? He, I mean, he was, I mean, for yeah, pictures, he uh, looked like a... He uh, he grossed one seventy three and eight. Oh my goodness! Uh, wow. Yeah, um, you know people say nets are for fish. I think he'll probably end up like whenever it gets to. I think he'll be upper sixties. I think. Um, oh, is that is that the biggest deer you shot, or is there some bigger ones? Uh, it, you know, I you know it's going to probably say you're an idiot, but I haven't really scored all my deer. Um, yeah. I don't get into that. I mean, like I said, I don't. I'm not a big. Um, I'm not a big scorer. I don't like trying to, you know, but they, uh, I got, have a half son that are probably really close to him. Um, mm-hmm. so, but he, he is probably one of my, he is one of my biggest deer, but I've, I got one or two, I think that will be close. So, yeah. Well, is there any other, I guess I, I that was the main story I wanted to hear. I might ask, is there any other, uh, whitetail stories that just kind of jump out to you as you think about it, as you look back over your, your hunting career? Man, there's so many. Uh, you know, probably some of my favorites, like I said, taking my kid, taking my kids. Um, you know, that's probably your mo- you know, it's all, I'm all about making memories, man. Um, yeah. And it's it's this world, you're you're here today and you don't know when your last day is going to be. 
Um, so I try to take every day as it's my, you know, it's, you never know. I try to live every day to the fullest. Um, I try to do my, you know, re- teach other people or reach other people or be- respect people like, you know, the sport of it. Um, but, you know, I think every day I try to make something that I remember or try to get better at it. Uh, but I got, and there's a ton of memories offhand, you know, like I said, just being out in the woods, taking kids or taking my son and my daughter, um, you know, people take this thing for granted. And, yeah. uh, and I, it's one thing if I, anybody asks, you know, I tell them, man, enjoy every moment. Cause for one, your kids grow up really fast. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and number two is that you never, you never guarantee for tomorrow. So, yeah. um, so everything right. I get to go out. Yeah, I get to make a memory every time I go out. It's just uh, something that we're, I always try to make, you know, do something, laugh, you know, with a friend or whatever, but I always try to take something every time I get to go out and experience with, you know, the great outdoors. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate you saying that. I think think sometimes, like you said, kind of going back to what we were talking about there with social media and all that, we can get so wrapped up in, uh, you know, people who look like everybody and their cousins, Gina Bach and all this, you know, and everybody's posting their hot. We just kind of forget sometimes going into a hunting season. You get into it a few weeks, and if you haven't had a lot of success or luck or whatever you want to call it, get easily frustrated and kind of you end up sitting out there some i've sat and stand mad before and it's just kind of a sad thing to be out there during your free time mad because you know, <laughs> seeing just, that, yeah. Yeah, just to be just to be in the woods and experience what god's given us you know that to me is what it's about so oh there ain't no it. doubt good, yes, good thing to keep in mind this year well yes, mike sir. i appreciate i appreciate you coming on tell us again one more time uh, how can we find out if there are guys listening to this that are maybe looking to go out with a guy like you uh, to a good spot in Kentucky? Uh, yeah. I'm sure you're probably filled up already, but maybe for next year. What's what's your website? How can we find out about uh, your outfitting group there? Of course. Uh, I'm, uh, we did it. We had a website, but it's uh, it's Mill Creek Outfitters in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Um, but we have a Facebook page, and we have a Hunter's page, and I have an Instagram account. Um like I said, I've, you know, I felt like I was reaching more people through Instagram and Facebook than versus our website, so I kind of did away with it. And um, but it's uh, my cell phone number. You can put it on there. It's two seven zero three zero four twelve ninety. But our, you know, our Facebook is Mill Creek Outfitters. Um, like I said, you get on there and like us, share us, appreciate it. And uh, like I said, give us a shout if you ever want to go. We'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. It's kind of short notice, but you willingly came on. Uh, congratulations on your buck, and I hope you guys have a great, uh, great rest of your season goes well. Travis, thank you, buddy. You do the same, man. All right, take care. And there you have it. A really good interview with Mike. Really enjoyed kind of picking his brain. I, I didn't know that he was an outfitter whenever I got into the podcast and found that out. And um, just enjoyed hearing his story and, and learning kind of his side of things, how that works. I've never been on an outfitted hunt. I've never considered being an outfitter. So just kind of hearing his perspective down in Kentucky was awesome. And, you know, what I love about what Mike does is he seems to be an average Joe that's trying to manage what uh, he's been given in that property. And I think each of us, even if we've only got a few acres we're trying to do the same thing maybe we can't do a food plot so we put out mineral licks or we uh, you know try and take inventory by putting out corn or whatever your state allows even those of us that are hunting public land um, you know you've got to manipulate where the deer are moving or try and figure out how that you're going to get in on that and so that takes an understanding and kind of mastery of what you're doing um, and each has its challenges each has its rewards but what's interesting to me is this all kind of goes back to Genesis and I want to explain um, what's interesting to me in Genesis 1 is that God creates man in his own image, 
right? Um, that's verse 26. He said, let us make man in our own image. And so God makes us like him, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but then the next thing that it says immediately after that, it says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, and over everything that creeps on the ground. Like everything. So the, like the second thing that God says about man besides us being made like him is that he wants us to manage, to have dominion, have rule over all of the animals that he just made. Um, and so Adam's given the task of naming the animals, which would have been kind of a, a crazy, I don't know if God just like lined them up or if like he had to be a hunter and <laughs> go, go like scout in the garden, scout these animals out and be like, okay, that animal is different than that one. And so he's coming up with these names. I don't know how it worked. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's what God gave man to do. That was the very first job was taking care of, having dominion over the creation that God has given. And and so in a lot of ways, we're still doing the exact same thing today. Uh, as you go through this hunting season, you're going to learn how to do that better um, through mistakes or through uh, successes, um, through things that you do. And, and, and I just think that that's kind of a cool thing, that that's a tradition that has been going on for years and years and years. And so I think we just need to be mindful of that. Um, I think that that encourages me personally that, okay, um, obviously if I take stuff into the woods, I need to take it out of the woods. So uh, I have to be careful about not leaving trash and leaving um, even like those little scent sticks where you put them into, you know, put them in a bottle or whatever. You can leave those hanging. I think just doing things just to try and make sure that you're doing your part. Um, obviously it means being an ethical hunter trying to take the most ethical shots um, being respectful of the animals that we've been given um, I think it means just doing everything that we can to try and take care of this gift because it is a gift um, creation is a gift for us to enjoy but also a, a gift at the same time that we are to take care of so how are you taking care of it today what are you doing today to better um, the areas where you're hunting and, and, and not just, <laughs> I guess, reap the rewards of it. So something for you to think about, chew on a little bit. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Really appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and sign off now by just saying, shed the light.